I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed. This is Marek Larwood. Hello, my name is Marek Larwood. And if you want to hear... Two men talk about films. You're in luck. If you don't, piss off. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. Um, it is now uh, September. Good films are starting to come out again. But because of the summer lull and because of the recent spate of deaths in the film industry, we thought we'd do a special about someone who's sort of quite big for British film, uh, uh, Sir Richard Attenborough. Yes. I mean, it's going to be one of those things that happens now. There's so many celebrities. I think we talked about this before, that... It's going to be a dead celebrity every day for the next... Well, we've lost a couple lives. of good ones recently, haven't we, in terms of, you know, good creative output. I mean, Rick Mayle was the first to go. Not huge in cinema, but uh, American Werewolf in London. I'm a big fan of Drop Dead Fred. Whoops, Apocalypse, he's in. Uh, then Robin Williams, uh, I think we talked about briefly as well. You know, some fantastic movies there. Yeah. So and Joan Rivers, of course, who voiced, uh, who voiced the robot in uh, Spaceballs. Yes, there's a lot of people have died. Um, so <laughs> I think what inspired this is I was watching a documentary on Richard Attenborough on, uh, you know, the life of Richard Attenborough on, on BBC, and I thought I didn't realise that he um, his famous film was probably probably he's best known for uh, playing Pinky in Brighton Rock. Yes, um, and more recently his sort of comeback as an actor as the Doctor in Jurassic Park, whatever he was called. Uh, Hammond, yeah, and then Miracle on 34th Street where he played Santa. Um, and that, yeah, it's that's his old man, sort of white beardy sort of roles, isn't yeah. it? But he's, um, I mean, so, he, in his youth he did some fantastic work. I mean, it's um, Great Escape. And also um, he went, he took a big lull to become a, uh, not lull, a bit of time out to become a producer and director. And I haven't really seen many films he's directed. He was known as well, Bridge Too Far as one. Young Winston I watched ages ago, which is strangely really enjoyable. He'd like to sort of quite... His films always seem to make statements. Uh, what a Lovely War, which is supposed to be an odd musical. And I watched the one I hadn't seen, Chorus Line, which is supposed to be all right, Cry Freedom. And the one I hadn't seen, his big one, is probably Gandhi. He won yeah. all the Oscars for, and it was a big project of his. And apparently, he went to, one of his first cinematic experiences was going to uh, watch the old newsreels in the 19... It must have been 1930s, something like that. I can't remember when. He was about eight, nine years old. So, uh, yeah, 1930s. And he saw footage of Gandhi, who came over um, to England to talk to all the mill workers and had him in his sort of, you know, just loincloth yeah, yeah. and his blanket. And everyone in the cinema laughed. 
and his dad told him, you know, don't laugh, that man's a great man. And he became sort of a little bit, uh, not obsessed, but well, one of his interests was Gandhi and the fact he changed, you know, they were, well, got in, helped get independence for India. So it became his project and he thought no one would be interested in making it. And he spent a long time trying to raise money for that and eventually got it made. That's uh, a fascinating story. I know, I've not seen the film before. It's a one that shot uh, Ben Kingsley to fame. Yeah, I mean, Ben Kingsley's performance is fantastic in it. I mean, and it, a hell of a thing to do for such a national hero to have that part played by a foreigner, basically. Bit, and it, they, you know, they weren't happy when uh, it was first announced. And then, uh, you know, when they actually started filming and Ben Kingsley was around and doing it, and they just... Uh, from what I've read, anyway, embraced him wholeheartedly. So no, he's brilliant. He's really well, you know, the spirit ar- of the man. It's like irony that you know Gandhi's story is basically fighting independence of India against the British regime. Yes, and yet the people making the film were sort of probably one of the most English people you can get. Said <laughs> you know, Sir Richard. He's called his name was Dicky. You know, and getting a British Shakespearean actor to play your national hero. And originally it was Anthony Hopkins as he wanted to play. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. He couldn't. He had real problems casting it. It wasn't until they made up um, Indianified uh, uh, Ben Kingsley. I always want to call him King Bensley. King Bensley. He I, would not like that. But if I was him and I said, well, rather than being a knight, I'm going to change my name to King Bensley. <laughs> you can't be it's King and better. Sir, can you? So King Bensley because he's one of the uh, he's one of the you hear stories about uh, Sir Ben Kingsley where he does make you use the sir um, which is a bit in the interviews I've got to say he does come across as a bit Berland yeah I don't know I met Sir Ian McKellen and he just introduced himself as Ian I just go yeah that's better isn't it yeah Sir King Bensley Sir King Bensley if you haven't seen his performance it is remarkable fantastic isn't it and and the, the scale of this film is huge I mean is it I'm, I'm picking facts out of my memory hole from 15 years ago or yeah. something but um, is it 40,000 extras in one no, more, scene I think it's 400,000 400,000 they apparently they put up uh, they, they knew the film was being made in India and it was a big it was really difficult to organise there's nightmarish stories and apparently Switch Attenborough had the utmost patience and had problems with financing and just the, the way the the Indian infrastructure there and filming in a completely different country yes. where it's such a huge scale of events apparently they put adverts in local Indian newspapers for people to attend the state funeral of Gandhi um, when they're filming it because they need a massive crowd and it just spread like wildfire I'm sure it's 400,000 people turned up but you see the shots at the start of the yeah. film and it's crazy and now this is before you just CGI all that, so it loses that yeah. significance. I and suppose. you put in some peels of smoke to give it depth, and some birds, yeah, and yeah. it'll all look glossy and rubbish. But this is um, genuinely a huge amounts of people turning up, which is it, the film itself is epic. And there's always that thing when you're trying to retell a moment of history, you can't, and with such an important figure, you have to be relatively true to it. And this does treat. I know I'm not saying. You know, his name is Mahatma Gandhi. He was seen as the god of our time, I suppose. Mm. And, you know, and so many things stem from him, like pacifism. You could what say he was a big... incredible achievement to actually manage to beat a state power without the use of aggression. Yeah. I mean, it is unique, isn't it? On it's on that scale, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's incredible achievement. Yeah, and uh, but also to p- convince the people who are being 
oppressed and brutalised that uh, pacifism is the only way they're going to achieve it. And to get that many people to go with you on it is unbelievable. It's well, incredible. I'm quite ignorant as to, uh, other than seeing the film and read a few bits and bobs here, yeah. I don't know, I mean, he's portrayed as, he is obviously a national hero, how accurate the film is for a historian to look at it and say this is actually what happened. Yes. But it still is fascinating watching a film, it's quite an important film, um, and it beat, in the Oscars it beat E.T. and Tootsie, which are two other brilliant films. Like About equally important figures in history. Aliens and cross-dressing. Yes. Which, in many ways, Gandhi would have been upset to lose. I mean... Uh, he wasn't into clothes e. that much, was he? and Gandhi, they used the same white blanket for if both of them. If you cross-dressed E.T. Uh, it comes out like Gandhi. Uh, yeah, who'd look if, a bit like Gandhi. If Ben Kingsley didn't get the part, E.T. was in line to play... <laughs> No, but Ben Kingsley would make a good E.T., I think. I think he could do E.T. Ben Kingsley can do anything. Well, he can mostly play um, cross evil vizier these That's days. That's what he does now, yeah. Just so annoying when he's just taken the check and just go, I will be the advisor who has eyes upon the crown himself in everything. Yeah. It's really tedious. He's going down that De Niro path, isn't he? Yeah, just like, oh, that sounds easy. Where's it filming? Oh, that's sunny. Yeah, I'll do that. I think the thing about Sir Richard Attenborough was he was he was always interested in British film and making a, a, and a real patron of film and British arts. And I never really when you see his documentary, you see him on set. He's got that experience of an actor, which he's bringing to it yes. and talking to the people. You just forget that because you're used to seeing him on the other side of the screen. So he seems to be this for for a lot of our generation, people younger than us. Yes. We only remember him as you know the, the guy in. With Father Christmas in well, exactly, and that, that, that's that's a tragedy, isn't it? But it's similar to how we've spoken about Robert De Niro before. You know, there's a generation now who thinks Robert De Niro's that uh, that that funny camp pirate in Stardust, you know, or whatever, you know, or he's the grumpy dad from the Meet the Parents films. You yeah. just go, oh man, <laughs> oh to die young if your career's taken that turn, you know. Uh, we asked a few of you to put on our Facebook page um, your memories of uh, Richard Attenborough, and here are a few of them now. We'll read out in, um, in different voices. Uh, oh, so we're going to read yeah, all of so these. So I just asked um, what your favourite films, Richard Attenborough, and here's what people wrote. Uh, Jenny Saunders says, Ten Wellington Place, hands down. Gareth Lloyd says, the only actor who could uh, have got away with being Father Christmas in the remake of Miracle on 34th Street. Frank James said, Well, to be honest, the 13-year-old, the first time I clocked him was in Jurassic Park, where he steals the show with his flea circus monologue and overall warmth. And the perfect grandpa I never had. I mean, mine didn't even have a park. Uh, ben Painter says... Uh, Surely Big X in The Great Escape, aside from the performance just for the look on his face when he realises he isn't going back to a prison, which sums it all up brilliantly. Edward James says, The judge in, and then there were none. Uh, Darren Rogers says, uh, I'm, I'm in the mood, but I don't know what for exactly. Yeah, it might be a quote I don't know oh. I don't understand Darren explain yourself Benjamin Button writes Ten Wellington Place remembering you could do a lot more than the cuddly old man such slight nuance and unsettling charm the amazing versatility both in the front and behind the camera oh, what an actor 
And Eamon Martin says, uh, The definitive Santa, Richard Attenborough, nightmaric as Santa, medical on 34th Street and Jurassic Park are how people under 40 will remember him. Great performances. Yeah, well, um, yeah, there we go. He's, uh, he's lots of uh, people clearly a big fan of his work. Well, he had a great face, didn't he? Like, I think when he plays Pinky in Brighton Rock, he's that baby-faced yeah, villain. yeah. You guys just want to watch more. You know, it, the Jurassic Park one is interesting because it's it is a it's a slight it's a slight film in terms of you know depth of character or anything. It's not the place for it, but his Hammond is sort of tragically just misguided and a bit. You know, he has he is the cause of all of these people's deaths. And yet he is still just like, oh, he just wanted a theme park that would work, you know. And interestingly, he is not that cuddly character in the book. Uh, he gets his comeuppance uh, by uh, in trying to escape the island. Uh, he he uh, falls down a, a slope and breaks his leg and then is eaten alive by tiny scavenger dinosaurs. Oh, that's the worst way. Uh, and if that happened to Dickie Attenborough at the end of Jurassic Park, I think it, we would feel a bit... Sorry for him. Yeah. Those noises are Buddy the dog in the background, in case you don't know. Yeah, it's become that. a bit restless. Sorry. Um, is there any Richard Attenborough films you'd like to talk about? Uh, well, um, or we you rest- saw 10 Rillington Place recently. I want to hear about that, because I've wanted to see it for a while, and I missed it on telly again. Okay, well, let's we do a letter section first, sure. and then we'll do 10 Rillington Place. Um, guess who's written in? But uh, first of all, yeah, I want to um, make contact. Okay, well, you can email us if you have... Uh, any thoughts you'd like to share with us? Have your letter read out? Then do email us, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com. Or you can talk to one another on facebook.com forward slash filmfandango. Or you can uh, talk to us on Twitter, at filmfandango, at Mr. David Reed, or at Marek Larwood. And we do all of this for free. So um, if you would like the podcast to keep going, um, um, if you, you know, are a regular listener and uh, you're grateful for the fact we do this with our free time, then you can go to filmfandango.co.uk and donate towards the podcast's running costs there. And thank you to everyone who has. We would not be doing this without you. Yeah, thanks very much. And I just can tell you who's written in. Yeah. I can't speak properly. Guess who's written in. Chris Webb. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to read what he's got to say? It. I can see it in your face. Um, he says... Uh, right, accent is Ivan Locke. Christopher Webb is our regular. Well, he hasn't been contributing much, and please do email in because you know we're getting short of emails. Yeah, now. but he's asked for Ivan Locke, who is uh, Tom Hardy's character in Locke. So uh, you always seem to be doing this character, dear chaps. Firstly, apologies for not mailing you with my usual slightly disturbing frequency. It's been running round like a headless chook in preparation for the imminent arrival of Webb Junior. Oh. If it's a girl, Danielle. If it's a boy, either David or Marek Webb, depending on how hairy it is. Oh. Hmm. But this is an email about films, not babies. You've occasionally mentioned your belief that talented filmmakers tend to go off the boil when they get older. The inferior recent releases from Spielberg and Scorsese and Robert De Niro's new career as a gurner being prime examples. I recently watched a film which I think is the epitome of a filmmaker's fall from grace. Last week I saw a 2012 horror film called Twixt, starring a very chubby Val Kilmer. Maybe that's why there's a Twix reference. As a struggling horror writer, haunted by dreams of ghosts and vampires, I wasn't expecting much, and I wasn't disappointed. <laughs> with, the produ- with the production value somewhere between the Hallmark Channel and Rent-A-Ghost, it was absolutely appalling. 
I think they were trying to homage Edgar Allan Poe. I suspect this because a moustached Ben Chaplin would occasionally pop up and say, Hello, I'm Edgar Allan Poe. Ooh, never more, etc. But it was so badly acted, written and directed, I'm just grateful it was a free download from Quick Flicks and I didn't actually have to pay for it. The only genuine shock came after the final fade to black and the credits appeared. The very first credit read, Written, produced and directed by Francis Ford Coppola. I couldn't believe the man who gave us the Godfather trilogy, the conversation and apocalypse now, had anything whatsoever to do with this pile of wank. It makes Bram Stoker's Dracula look like an American werewolf in London. It even makes Jack look good. As ever, lovingly, the, loving the podcast and will keep watching the films. Chris, P.S., Happy birthday to Angelo Edwards. Yes, happy birthday, Angelo. It must be Angelo's birthday now. Well, hopefully by now, God. Um, yeah, I think he's right about Francis Ford Coppola. He, made it brilliant, he was brilliant in the 70s. Yeah, incredible. Started down here in the 80s. 90s made Jack and uh, some rubbish uh, court thing with Matt Damon. I did my, I did my um, dissertation on Francis Ford Coppola where really? he was an auteur uh, because I watched all of his films. He made some awful ones. Uh, for example, Tucker, a man and his machine or something, which is Jeff Bridges and the making of four cars. He's done some crap which makes you you cannot understand how he made the golf in his films. Well, I quality. You know, I, I said it before, but films are as much as we like to believe in the 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 myth and the the power of the director as author. Films are collaborative, and if you are not surrounded by the best people. Either you know the most talented director, their vision can still get lost amongst the the amount of work that needs to be done, the amount of delegation that needs to be done, or you know mediocre people can have their mediocre choices turned into great ones by talented people around them. You know, I mean, you've heard all the stories. Like he's got a very limited ability uh, in certain areas. You know, George Lucas, for instance, but turns out that when he first made his you know Star Wars films he was surrounded by the right people who filled in the gaps in his ability so that what he was really good at could shine through I watched a really good documentary which is uh, if this comes out on Friday yeah then it'll be on BBC4 until Monday on iPlayer until Monday but if not find it online it's called Dangerous Days the Making of Blade Runner right and it shows uh, all the problems that Ridley Scott went through. And obviously, you know, Blade Runner with the studio and the financing. And because Blade Runner wasn't really popular when it came out, and it has since has become, because it was ahead of its time, it's yeah. regarded as, you know, one of the most beautiful films and and subsequently re released with the director's cut and how he wanted to make it. But you see what a, thought, what a uh, powerful, maybe an unrelentingly uh, focused on his idea. Really, Scott was, which may have been difficult, and to the detriment of that camaraderie on set. Yes, but, it may have been, but I mean, Ridley Scott get, has is was famous as a visuals man. He could make something look through, yeah, yeah. beautiful, but he isn't a stories man. And I think the more powerful he's got, the more you know he's been able to call all of the shots rather than be surrounded by other people. And and he's got worse and worse at telling a good tale. I think but he talks about his. I mean, he's an artist, and you? you see his drawings. Yeah. In this documentary, it's fascinating. You see his drawings, and you see his eye. He sees the actual set as a character itself. Yes. 
and once you start seeing things from his perspective, it obviously inevitably becomes more interesting to watch the film, having seen his ideas and his visions of the future, which are the whole backdrop of that film. Yes. We'll catch that if you, and that shows what you, the difficulties of, uh, and almost impossible to become a, a, an auteur really on a huge scale thing. Yeah, You're yeah. dependent on so many other different uh, inputs, elements. Yeah, all inputs. <laughs> Uh, people say elements, but lately you'll find a lot of people here saying inputs instead. Okay. So, I mean, there you go. There you go. There's another letter. Do you want to... I mean, you're very good at reading today, David. Thanks, mate. Uh, who is it? It's from David Crowshaw. That sounds like a good name, like something out of Krull. Krull. Uh, David Crowshaw. Two A's. Got to love a two We've A's. Got, in there's something. three A's in total in it. Yeah, but the two, two next to each other. Shah. If you want to make your name sound better, just double up the A's. David Reed. David <laughs> Reed. Yeah. Marek Garwood. He just says, "I'm really, I'm here. I'm going to dominate." Hi, David and Marek. You're going to do all the A's doubled, right? Yes. <laughs> I wish a bring a that was a, that was even a mistyped a that doesn't That's, even need it. He's got so many, so many A's in that he can't stop hitting that A button. Yeah, I wish to I wish to bring a new US show to your attention as I think if Marek will find it fasc- fascinating. It's called The Chair, and it's a ten-part documentary about two-time directors making an independent film, both using the same source material. They must keep the character names the same, and the location can't be changed. I have only seen the first two episodes, and I am loving finding out about all the hard work that goes into making an independent film. Also, I have a film I wish to recommend. Mary and Max. (laughs) Love the podcast. As I work in an indie record shop that also sells films, it can be hard to choose which one to buy next. So your recommendations help me a lot. Uh, And then he's inserted a cheeky plug for his record shop, which is uh, facebook.com forward slash head Bromley. So Mary and Max. I have not heard of this film. Have you heard of this? I don't know. Mary and Max. Maryandmax.com is, uh, is the link. That Where is he work? Head Bromley. Head Bromley. Um, yes, I've not heard of the chair either. No, so we'll, keep, we'll try and watch the chair. Sounds like a really good, uh, fascinating documentary. So thank you very much, uh, David. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty fun to read, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great fun. Oh, it's a, uh, Mary and Max is a claymated feature film. Oh, wow. Modern. Yeah, two thousand and nine. So that looks like a good, and it's in the top. It's number one hundred and seventy-two in the top two hundred and fifty films of all time. As rated by who? Uh, IMDb. Oh wow! And Tony Collette and Philip Seymour Hoffman have done uh, the voiced it as well. Eric Banner, Eric Banner, rather. So I keep on the <laughs> And Barry Humphreys is the narrator. That looks fascinating. Let's watch Mary and Max then. Yeah, let's do that sometime. That sounds cool. good. Um, thank you very much for your email. Um, so now I'm going to talk about the other uh, film uh, Dave, which I can film yes seen, please sorry, do David, that's no Dickie Dickie not David um, which is has been mentioned a couple of times Ten Rillington Place it's a story of John Christie so for people who don't know he was a, a famous serial killer 
in the 1950s in London and like Gandhi as well this film's got huge it's, it, the case has got huge historical um, significance so you don't know the story I suppose you can have spoilers it was a, a guy who wrongly hanged for it which changed the whole death penalty law and ah. was fundamental into the end of uh, Pierre Point the hangman and, and the end of pretty much the end of de- the death penalty in start, this country yeah um, so it's a story of this uh, setting Notting Hill when Notting Hill was a, pretty much a horrible slum uh, and the film is they, I think they knocked the house down so the film was shot in the house two doors down oh wow so you're shooting in the place where it, it look, you know it looked it's exactly the same they said the atmosphere was quite uh, you know I, know I think the problem was the family were living in, people were living in ten rented place they wouldn't rent it out right so they had to go two doors down um, so I don't think I'd want the film crew to recreate murders that happened in the house I was living in. They normally knock them down now. Yeah. Well, I live Do the they? Co- Is that right? Yeah. But I live around the corner from. Um, is it Dennis, Dennis Nielsen, the uh, the guy in London? Okay. In Muswell Hill, killed all the people, and that house they is continuing on the on for sale again now for about eighty grand less than it normally yeah, yeah. is. Yeah, that's probably why they knock it down, don't they? they yeah, because you can't you get, get rid of the curse. It. But this one's in a flat, you see, so someone who lives yeah. in the basement, you can't just knock the top off it. Would you? live in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's why he put their bodies down the drains because he didn't have anywhere to bury them when he moved from um, somewhere else. Anyway, that's a separate. That's a separate serial killer. This is a story of uh, John Christie, who is this sort of ex. Um, Sort of war policeman, sort of quietly spoken northern bloke. Apparently had problems with his throat, so he can only he can only speak like this. So he's very very quiet. Alan Bennett. He does sound like Alan Bennett. Alan Bennett got his personality from this serial killer, and he rents out uh, rooms in his flat in Tenbrington Place. And a young couple uh, paid by Judy Geeson, who's not really done so much since, and John Hurt. Uh, move in with their baby and terrible things happen right and this film is very very bleak and depressing and spooky and true and true so it has an added added sort of depth of horror to it I've wanted to see it for a while it's one of those it is absolutely brilliant Richard Attenborough I've always thought of him as well you know Pinky you see him being slightly sinister you know him for that sort of smiley bearded mouth from later on you watch him in this and you think, what an actor. Well, because the, the, his most said. famous performances tend to be, in, uh, with the exception of <laughs> Miracle on 34th Street, they tend to be ensemble, big ensemble pieces, don't they? You know, So actually having one where he's the focus. But you see the influence of this. Is, he's, there's something about, because the, the guy, uh, John Christie, had some throat problems so he could, you couldn't ever shout or he was disturbed or some, some sort of problem. So... It's all very, very quiet. And so he's sort of talking a bit like this. He's really, really creepy. And Richard Attenborough's not scared to look ugly and horrible. He's not scared to be that sort of repulsive mm. person. And you see shades of uh, Hannibal Lecter and that quietness that Anthony Hopkins has got. You know, he's very measured and very sort of yeah. clipped. You almost think oh that this influenced yeah. or had some influence on that or maybe didn't or did or didn't I knew they were friends in real life and worked together but um, it feels like a, a huge influence on that yeah the performance is brilliant I think I don't know if he won an Oscar for it or not but he he should I know he didn't but um, it's terrifying and it's normality and it's just a really run down house and 
a man and his wife uh, who sort of suspects what's going on uh, and they've got a really mundane normal life he's got this horrific dark side to him where he ends up killing women and ruins another man's life and is and there's a few confrontation t- scenes between uh, John Hurt and Richard Attenborough. John Hurt plays Timothy Evans, who, and there's going to be spoilers here, so please stop and watch the film now uh, if you're if you're listening I to this. I don't want to hear spoilers. This is a spoiler, but uh, Timothy Evans was basically wrong, wrongly convicted of the murder of his um, wife and child. Uh, uh, sorry, you don't want to hear them. <laughs> but, so it's a famous case. We have him trying to convince, uh, after he's done the act, trying to speak to Timothy Evans about it, trying to convince him not to hand himself in. And Timothy Evans is a quite a slow, sort of Welsh guy. He doesn't, an innocent and naive, that uh, he doesn't know what to do and is panicked. And it's some really uh, fascinating scenes between, you don't really see as much now in sort of serial killer yeah. dramas. It just seems a bit... Uh, it almost feels like over dramatised, and every no... every serial killer now has to be Kevin Spacey from Seven. Yes, we're just like I'm talking in a creepy way now, but I'm I'm sort of like a Bond villain. Sort of thing. Yeah, it's all it's all done in that sort of. This is so mundane that it's more terrifying, mm. and the characters more the characters really mundane and normal and uh, per, per, slightly sick and pervy. And it takes a good actor to pull it off and not worry. Like Philip Seymour Hoffman, he plays ugly yeah. sort of characters. Well, there's a lot them. of vanity acting goes on where people think, well, I, you know, I want to get the character right, but I also don't want to look ugly. I want to be beautiful in every frame of this, you know. And I think the best actors aren't afraid of that. You're quite right, um, because most people aren't beautiful, are they? Yes, I mean, uh, a lot of them on the inside. Mm. Um, mm. because it's a, it's a famous historical case one of those films where you watch the film and you'll read up about it on the internet and uh, find out just how fascinating it is. it's just not watching a history programme really yeah, yeah. so well, I, I highly I highly recommend it um, but it's very very bleak but beautifully filmed and terrifying in its mundanity I'm going to say I'll just basically repeat myself over again is it the best performance you've seen him do do you think I, I liked him in uh, Brighton Rock. I'm not a big fan of his later sort of beardy, smiley performances, but I thought this was sensational. Okay. Interesting enough, I watched uh, a Hitchcock film around the time, which is Frenzy, which is about serial killer as well, which is 1972. Right. Which is set in Covent Garden, which is almost comical in that you sort of see the old Hitchcock with a new colour of and and there's elements of the old the beautiful shots of Hitchcock really beautiful sinister shots and also some terrible shots as well but strangely and it's really has got questionable <laughs> it's really sexist in places and has aged the film but that's another fascinating serial killer thing and you watch those two films and now and uh, I watched a documentary about that with my friend Paul Allen and they were saying there weren't many serial killer films around at this time and now the serial killer genre yeah. is, is huge but, so in retrospect it's difficult watching them but uh, because you, don't, you, you think oh it's another serial killer film but these were two sort of quite unusual films at the time to have these sort of slightly sexual serial killer films which it's, has become it's a less, become obsessed with it's a less well known one frenzy isn't it uh, less celebrated perhaps isn't I, it? yeah but I, I thought at the time is it rubbish it's really stay with me and has 10 Rington place so if you really want to get yourself on the mood for the 70s and feel quite depressed <laughs> and see two uh very enjoyable 
um, serial killer films, why not have Tim Rington Place and Freddie Dog Bill? Sounds invite, great. Invite, um, you know, what's with your girlfriend? Or, yeah, or your, you know, your neighbours who moved in uh, next door and their baby. Invite them round. If you're <laughs> renting a flat in your house, just have that on as you... Uh... <laughs> as you show people around. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that's enough for this week probably, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah. it's just, I think we just vaguely cover it, Shannon, but, but if we for a change, you know, we do something. Why like not? Why not? But I would highly recommend Ten Rington Place. I'm sorry for the spoilers, but it is a huge part of British history, so I don't feel too bad. Okay. Well, we'll be back next week with yet more films. Keep watching the films. Bye bye. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.